called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, I am thrilled to be here with you today to talk about the penultimate episodes of Star Wars Rebels, the unbelievably cool and surprisingly deep animated series of Star Wars on the Disney XD channel, which true fans love, which is why I brought the truest fan of all, Jedi Geek Girl, to talk about these amazing last couple episodes before the finale. Jedi Geek Girl, we have so much to talk about. You braved a flat tire and all sorts of obstacles to be here tonight. So happy to have you here and welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Bizzle. Oh my god. If you are not watching Rebels, oh my god, it is some of the best Star Wars, if not the best Star Wars going on. And I know I say that a lot, but we're going to dive into it, but there are a lot of talking points that are, oh my god. And, spoiler alert, but my girl is back, and oh my god, I, I, I'm speechless. I'm tr- I truly am. So I'm going to see your OMG, and I'm going to raise to OMFG. Oh my fucking god. Because this was an oh my fucking god episode. Especially the final episode. Right, like, I was so tense and so excited. I did, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but see, I'm working myself up even right now. I'm shaking in excitement and thrill. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm trying to manipulate you as much as possible on the podcast. Well, you're not going to get me to swear, so. (laughs) But it might get you to laugh and maybe tear up, which would be be great, because I will be laughing and tearing up, absolutely talking about this. So, let's clear up a little bit of business. We're about to talk about Star Wars Rebels. Jada Geek Girl, I'm going to release this, barring uh, technical difficulties, knocking on wood, which won't happen. I'm going to release this over the weekend because I never release podcasts over the weekend, but I want to get this out immediately. And then I will re-release it on Monday before the new final episode. Is it one or two final episodes? It is actually technically, I think three It's an hour and a half, which would technically be three episodes, but I think it's, a movie. it's two, it's two episodes. It's so a movie. you have, yeah. yeah. So you have two episodes, you have a half an hour and then you have an hour long movie. Okay. Let's clear up a little business here. First of all, Jada Geek Girl and I recorded the first of what we hope to be a new series, what will be a new series, called the Star Wars Lore Cast, and of which this will be a part of, and we'll talk a little bit later about our ideas for this series. And we recorded an initial episode where we talked about everything going on and a lot about Ahsoka, bookmark Ahsoka for now. But literally the day after we recorded that, my computer would not boot up. And I thought I had, I had about a week old backup. And so that podcast would have been completely lost. The bad news is that computer is basically dead. I had to buy a new computer, which I can't really afford, but having a new MacBook pro is fantastic. And that's what I'm using right now. And thank you, Apple. Sorry, people out there who don't like Apple. Apple products are fantastic. Right out of the box, ready to go with the recording. Awesome. I have, I have most of that podcast, but 
I kind of want this to be the first of the new series because of how epic the revelations have been in the last couple weeks. But I want people to know that we did do that podcast and I might release the Ahsoka component in particular as a sort of Bizzlecast quickie uh, within the Lorecast. So my apologies to you that that didn't come out on time. You know that's not normally my MO. No, and I can only imagine how scary of a situation that is. I'm sure you had everything on backup, but I try to make sure that as a podcaster myself, I try to upload all my stuff so I'm not reliant on my computer or laptop. Well, the thing is, I am extremely neurotic about backing up individual files, but backing up settings is almost impossible. And so my first few podcasts on the new computer have really been fucking with me because there's a new version of Skype that I wasn't aware of. But if you look at the fine print on the Skype page in little tiny writing, it says, by the way, if you're a professional voiceover actor uh, or recording artist, you should get the previous version of Skype you can download here. I'm like, dude, come on. What the hell, man? So I'm on the right version of Skype now, which is great. I've got my settings back to normal. I've got my new Mac. I've got the microphone, everything. Things working great. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you. And Joey Kiko, we normally wait until the end, but before we get into this super heady discussion, by the way, where my story before was going, where I said I didn't release that podcast, I have two words for you as to why it doesn't matter at this point. You ready? Shoot. Ahsoka lives. Without a doubt. Boom! So alive and so in the way I thought and wanted her to be alive. We're going to get there. That's what I'm so excited about. And that's why I'm not upset about the situation. But really quickly, plug your podcast where people can check it out and what it's about. And we are going to dive in to this end of the final season, towards the end of the final season of Rebels, which is so amazing. Sure. My name is Jedi Geeka. I host a podcast called Ivy Bell, a Star Wars Disney podcast. Sorry. So, uh, so, yep, it does. What's correct? Yeah, you can you find it. me. On, yep, <laughs> you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Destiny. You can find my website at ivybelldestiny.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Jedi Geek Girl. And send me a contact me if you want to suggest things or check out my podcast. Star Wars Destiny is a collectible dice and card game from FFG featuring the many diverse and wonderful characters of Star Wars Destiny. I highly recommend the game, but getting that out of the way, we're here to talk about Star Wars Destiny, and let's kick it off with a big one. We are here to talk about Rebels. However, the name of your podcast, where did you get that perchance? Why, of course, I got it from Jen Erso. Uh- I don't know who that was. Some crazy person in my in my uh, my house somewhere just went nuts. I, you know, you might not be able to get me to swear, but I can say that every time I say the name Jin Urso, I can imagine this look on your face of euphoria. It's like Jin Urso. I, 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 look. <laughs> so. In the new episode, Ahsoka comes back. Spoiler alert. Spoilers from here on out. Uh, we kind of knew Ahsoka was going to come back in some form, but never could we have imagined this amazingness. But they do end up quoting 
from all the classic original series and the prequels and Rogue One and and Force Awakens. If so many quotes from everyone, from Obi Wan to Anakin in the movies to Anakin in the in the Clone Wars to Jyn Erso and Rogue One. And I remember you were like, you're not going to believe this. And you were kind of giving me little signs but not saying anything, which I appreciate. And I was like, and I'm glad this wasn't the focus, by the way. But I was like, if Jin Erso from Forces of Destiny cartoon Jin Erso comes into this episode, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Because we're so close to Rogue One in this series, which maybe we'll get to the timeline at some point. But yeah, I was so excited by that. So, okay. So Star Wars Rebels, we're in the final season. We knew it was going to be super dramatic. Some episodes have been great. Some episodes have been okay. For the most part, it's been a really good season. There's been at least one prediction that most people thought was going to happen that has happened, which is Kanan dies. And they did the exact right thing when Kanan's death. And I want you to talk about this in a second, which is when you have a major character die in a movie or TV show... And you and people think it's going to happen. Don't linger on the death. Linger on people dealing with it over a number of episodes after it happens. And that's exactly what they've done. And I think they've, before we get into the Ahsoka and the metaphysical matrixy kind of stuff and the Stargate and everything, um, I have so many sci-fi references coming up. I, I hope I don't bore you with them, but it's going to happen. But before we get to all that, I thought they handled Kanan's death perfectly thoughts it was so amazing like i mentioned before in our unreleased episode i'm one of the people who when they watch something i get engrossed in the movie to the point where i didn't see the death coming and then when a death came it was emotional i was so devastated and then he saw he could see and i just lost it it sent me over the cliff it was so powerful that this is how the Jedi is supposed to deal with things. This is the meaning of sacrifice. This is the death that it's unlike any other in Star Wars. And it was so powerful, not only for the ghost crew, but for here specifically, because there was this tease of a romance between them and you can see it coming to a climax along with Kanan preparing to let everything go and focus on the mission of rescuing her that when it does happen, it, it, rips your he- it rips your heart out because they do such a great job of building up that relationship and building up the tension that you almost like dismiss it. Like, mm-hmm. no, not this episode. You know it's coming, but not this episode. And it's just... I still find myself from time to time getting emotional about it because that's how much it resonated for me. And the thing about it is, is I never really connected to it with Kanan. Kanan was never really my favorite character, but when it happened, I reacted to, I reacted like I did. And now that I have that emotional connection, whenever I go back and watch something with him or hear something with him, I have that emotional connection where, you know, Kanan was a pretty darn good character, and he has a good character, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of his story, but what a way for it to end. I, I honestly, I know a lot of people, both personally and online, 
whose favorite character from the new canon on TV is Ahsoka, but second favorite is Kanan. Men and women. Especially men, obviously, but women as well. Because, as I say, Kanan isn't just Jedi instructor to Ezra. He's father, he's brother, Mm -hmm. and most importantly, he's therapist. He Mm -hmm. deals with the deep-seated psychological issues that Ezra has. And what I've talked about in my podcast, Jedi Geek Girl, is that unlike Obi-Wan and Yoda in both the prequels and the original movies and so forth, who are very hard on their students, when Ezra starts going a little dark, Kanan kind of backs off and tries to settle down the situation, right? Do you remember in the early seasons when uh, Kanan's getting his ass kicked by the Grand Inquisitor and they're on the planet with all the weird like monsters and Ezra summons like the King monster to go after the Inquisitor to save Kanan. And he kind of passes out and you know, he gets all cold because he's tapping into the dark side and Kanan isn't like, what are you doing? You should not be tapping into the dark side blah, 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 that we're so used to. He's like, it's okay, man, just calm down. We'll work through it. Kind of glad you don't remember it. He says, right. He's you know, he's kind of working him through it. Uh, I, I always love that. I love the character of Kanan. I think Freddie Prince Jr. is brilliant with his voice acting like award level for animated voice work on TV. Brilliant. Personally, absolutely love him i can say that about all the main crew but i absolutely loved it but we knew he was probably going to go and it was kind of the journey that we i think needed to take with that character i don't know who else is going and how they're going to go but i think they handled that in particular very well they say that you don't really know what you have until it's gone. And I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about it. And I'm re- remembering all these things about Kanan during all the different seasons of Rebels. And he was an important character. And sometimes he did kind of take a back seat. But once you look, stop and look at it from a retrospective point of view, you can really see how dynamic and important Kanan was, especially to Ezra. And not only Ezra, but yeah, especially for those who have read up on Kanan in the comics and in the books, you know the rest of his story as it stands right now. And he truly is a... A Jedi, and I mean that in a good way. He has a sense of honor. You know, he falls like we all do, but we have this idea of what a Jedi is supposed to be that is not what exactly is portrayed in the film. Like, the prequel uh, is, like, the Jedi at a fault. And then you had Luke trying to discover what a Jedi actually was, and there are very few Jedi that you can say are Jedi's Along with Qui-Gon Jinn, I think you can add Kanan up on that list as what a Jedi is supposed to be. So you talked about kind of knowing it was coming, but still hoping it wasn't happening. And when it did happen, you were still kind of open to the experience. Did you get a chance to listen to my uh, extended Last Jedi interview with Tim Jirasi? Oh, I'm sure I did, because I listened to all your Last Jedi stuff. Well, that would maybe stand out a little bit, because he does have his own podcast, Star Wars podcast that he's done for a while, um, called The Saga Continues. 
Um, we, we had a really good conversation. He's from LA. He's from the West Coast. And we had a really good conversation. He's a big prequel guy. We had sort of a prequel conversation. And we talked about the Clone Wars. He used to cover the Clone Wars from like a media perspective and stuff like that. But we talked about how the ultimate sign of great storytelling is not throwing you a curveball and having a completely bizarre plot twist that comes out of nowhere. The sign of ultimately of ultimate great storytelling is knowing something is going to happen and yet it's such good storytelling that you don't want it to happen and you keep hoping it's not going to happen even though it's about to happen. And we mm-hmm. talked about uh, Han Solo and Kylo Ren because I had deduced before The Force Awakens that Kylo Ren was related to Han Solo and was probably going to kill him, but I didn't know for sure. But Tim, being in the media a little bit more, knew ahead of time the whole thing. He had been spoiled about Kylo and Han. But even he, in those moments when they're on the bridge together, was hoping it wasn't going to happen. You know what I mean? Like... And and thinking maybe there was another way and maybe something else was going to happen. And to me, that's the sign of great storytelling. Now, with Kanan, I wasn't shocked at all. And I thought the death was fine. It was great. It didn't completely shock me. But I, I just think that's a good example. It's like, whether you were spoiled on the Kylo Han, you know, killing death at all or not, the filmmaking by J.J. Abrams and the performances of the actors were so good that it didn't even matter whether you knew. And the great thing about Rebels, especially that episode, is 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 that they build up to it with Kanan cutting his hair, with the music when they go up into the gliders, with the dialogue Kanan was having with Ezra, and the tension of her professing her love to Kanan. There was all this build up that, as a storyteller or a story consumer, you can connect the dots, but like you said, when it starts to happen, you don't want it to happen, even though you are, even though you do know it's going to happen. And like you just got done saying, that is, those are the signs of a good story. Okay, so let let us dive in, because there's so much to talk about with the most recent episodes. So, Kanan dies... There's some adventures, trying to get away, new Imperial forces. Malcolm McDowell's on the show as one of the Imperial commanders, which they hid very well that Malcolm McDowell's voice was on. He's great as a bad Who's guy. Who's that? Who's that? He's the guy in the hood that's been in the last couple episodes. Like No, one- I mean, who is he from? What is he from? Oh, Malcolm McDowell? Oh, he's like an old school old school actor like from clockwork orange and i mean he's like a classic british bad guy actor from like the last few decades or whatever i'll I'll send you a link later he's very famous you 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 might recognize if you see him you mostly would recognize his voice um but anyways yeah I haven't seen clockwork orange but i have the image in my head so that's probably him yeah 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 so God, I don't know how to lead into this. So, well, why don't I we start with the most recent episode and we can work backwards? That's the easiest thing for me. Because the most recent episode I've seen twice, including tonight, and I really have a good vision in my head of what's going on. Which is basically, 
in the first season, there was a Jedi temple in Lothal. In the second season, they went back to that temple with Ahsoka, and all sorts of stuff happened. In this season, there's another Jedi temple, I think, from a different location on the southern hemisphere of Lothal. That no, they go it's to. the same one. It's the same it's one, the same okay. One. It's the same one. It's the same one, but it keeps revealing new secrets every time. And for a while, uh, Jedi Good Girl, I tried to release full commentaries for all of Rebels. I got through season one, and it was just too much editing, and I just couldn't get through everything with all the other podcasts. I, I had a plan to go through all Star Wars Rebels and do commentaries for all the episodes, but I did talk about the Lothal episode, and I talked about how every time it appears, it showed us something more. It, more came up from the ground. They went deeper. They discovered more, but this took it to a whole nother level and for lack of a better world uh, uh, word ezra steps through a gate that is encoded with a puzzle showing the father son and daughter from the mortis episodes of the clone wars which even i know about it, how important it is i mean i've seen it but it's been a while but i remember those episodes he solves the puzzle and then he steps through what's essentially a stargate but instead of old egyptian symbols it's wolves and he walks through the stargate and we'll talk about what he sees when he walks through the stargate but it's essentially a stargate and i just want to say i'm not one to pass myself on the back i've been doing a little back padding recently because i've been predicting the black panther thing for literally three years in my very first or second podcast i talked about black panther which was three years ago saying this was going to blow people away although this is even way beyond what i was expecting would be possible for black panther so that's awesome but i've also been saying that the force affects time and space in these deep gravity wells that are the force. And we haven't really seen the deep time and space stuff. And we get it by name and by example in this episode. And I was just absolutely thrilled that he stepped into a basically a, uh, a time without time, a space without space, Ezra that is, when he encounters Ahsoka. What are you thinking while all of this is going on? I was absolutely amazed, and my mind was blown. I did not see this coming like you did, and I know that it was kind of touched upon in Legends, but when I think Star Wars, I don't think about that metaphysical beyond time and space stuff. So for me, I do, and I haven't read Legends, but I think about it all the time. Go ahead. But for me, it was a new frontier, if you will. About another franchise reference. Star Trek me, Discovery, pretty good show. Not now. For me, it blew my mind about how not only is this a new frontier, but it's a new area that they could explore if they so do choose in Star Wars. And it just, it was just so amazing to see and mind blowing as a Star Wars fan. Because, like I said, for Star Wars, we're used to this confined. Not so much space as time, but to bend and go beyond that, it's just, it just opens up the door to more conversations and more forms of story if they so do choose. I'm just, I'm just so amazed because like I said, I didn't see this coming. Well, luckily you know me. Well, well, you'll judge by the end of this podcast whether it's lucky that you know me or not talking about this shit. But for now, you're lucky because we've talked about vergences in the force extensively on our podcast, right? 
And what is, what have we said about virginses? Virginses function like strong gravitational bodies, right? And that they warp space and time. What does that mean? Okay. Well, when you're near a giant star or you're near a black hole, both space and time are warped from what we're expected. Things curve in weird ways. Things move in weird ways. Time generally slows way down, like way, way, way down. And when you hit the the surface of a black hole, which is also called a uh, uh, event horizon, which they did not name in this episode, but I think a singularity black hole is kind of what they're implying here. Whatever. Maybe we'll get back to that. But when you get to the event horizon of black hole, time stops. So... If you are unfortunate enough, say you're flying in a spaceship, okay? And say your spaceship gets blown up, everyone dies except you, you've got your spacesuit on, and you're floating, and you go to a black hole. When you hit the event horizon of a black hole, your image would essentially freeze to all outsiders. Because to all outsiders, you would be in a time equals zero situation. And in this episode of Star Wars Rebels, Ezra enters in a phase where he goes back in time, but it's not that he's going back in time, you know, and we see, by the way, by the way, okay, let's stop, let's stop my scientific nerding for a second. By the way, Ahsoka fighting Vader, the full battle, Jesus Christ. Right, right. It it was so amazing finally seeing that in its completion and especially seeing it from Ezra's point of view. But before we carry on, I want to say that I know exactly what you're talking about because it was a important feature. It was an important part of a recent Doctor Who episode. Yeah. And they deal with that all the time. Uh, what was the episode? Are you up on Doctor Who? Are you into Doctor no, Who? No, I mean, I love David Tennant. I, I, I like the idea of Doctor Who. I, I'm, I'm excited about Jodie Whittaker. I haven't seen the, the new stuff. Um, I, I know what it's about. I know what the TARDIS is, but I haven't watched it a lot. So so, so what happens is if the Doctor lands on a spaceship that is, I think, being sucked into a black hole, mm-hmm. and the ship is firing its blasters to try not to get pulled into it. And it, it's in a standstill. It's not moving or whatever, but this is a long ship. So the doctor is on, like, what, what is he on? He's on the f- front end, and these people come up, and they take somebody close to him to the back. And you're following this storyline in the back where they're watching the doctor in the front where, like, 10 minutes was, like, 10 years in back. Yeah. And... That, that's exactly what you're talking about because the doctor was closer to the black hole, so time moved a lot slower for him than toward the back end of the spaceship where ten years was like ten minutes. So, yeah, the movie Interstellar deals with this as well in a very cool way. I would highly recommend that film. Uh, Christopher Nolan, I don't always love his stuff. I like Dark Knight, not as much as other people. Uh, Nolan's a great director. Interstellar with Anne Hathaway, Matthew McConaughey, uh, Jessica Chastain, and many others um, do a really, really interesting work. And they worked with physicists to be like, what would it like to even temporarily be near a giant gravity body far away from Earth and, you know, many, many years to pass by? Now, For purposes of storytelling, they couldn't do that in Rebels. But it makes complete sense that Ezra could walk through a portal 
and then look in another portal and see Ahsoka still fighting Vader because time is the fourth dimension and it is literally another dimension of space time that we just perceive as different from the three dimensions of space, but functionally works exactly the same. So it's almost as if you backtracked on a course that you are running on, for example, but it be time instead of space. And so he backtracks on that course a little bit and finds Ahsoka in what I think is, what, months beforehand? Weeks, months, a year, something like that, when she would have that battle. And by the way, yeah, go ahead. I would say about nine months to a year, maybe. Six months at the very least, because there's a time jump between season two and season three. I think it's a six month time period and you figure if season three was three months and so so i would say about between nine and nine months in a year so ahsoka is not nearly as spooked by what's going on as you might think but if you know ahsoka that makes sense there's the owl creature which i'm still not completely sure the significance but it's a great transitional point got the wolves obviously But they are in a time without time. And I am constantly preaching that the Matrix movies are deeper than people think. And they were for sure drawing from the backdoor stuff going on in the Matrix where Neo walks through some backdoors at times outside the Matrix, outside the real world to access different things in different times and different spaces Um, in this. What was your personal interpretation of he goes through the game and he's basically moonwalking on space in what looks like a mixture of imagery from video games and the Matrix and maybe a few other properties. I have to say that it was absolutely beautiful. It was breathtaking. And I was trying to focus on listening to all the different voices because you could assume that what we were hearing, Ezra was hearing as well. And hearing all those iconic statements mixed with this imagery of beautiful, unique animation mixed with 2D drawings with Mm. the rules and flashing to the people who are outside of the quote-unquote portal. Um, But before we get any further, um, I would like to say that when he was going in there, I was expecting to us. I was expecting Ahsoka to already be in there, and when he went to the portal, and I, I, I knew what was coming. I, the, the, and especially with the bird, I was starting to get tense. And the, you, you saw the triangle of the doorway. I get closer on the edge of my seat, and then you see the light coming up. I'm like, here we go, here we go. And then you see Ahsoka fighting, and I'm like, "Oh God, oh God, is he going to see? Is he going to see her die? Is he going to see her die?" And you're you're like, "Okay, you're watching this awesome battle fighting, and you're like, this is amazing. What's going to happen?" And you see that as you see the temple coming down, and you see Ahsoka throwing her, putting her lightsabers into the ground, and you're like, oh no, is she going to die? And then Ezra reaches through the portal and grabs her, and I lost it. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> Even now, I'm getting, I was so excited. It was, it was orgasmic, if you will. Um, what did I say? What did I say? Because you know, was my ideal Obi-Wan movie. 
I said this exact exactly. thing. I said my ideal Obi-Wan movie was Ahsoka was going to find him and say, there's some weird shit going on in space and time with the Force. We need to go back in time and space or forward in time and sp- in space and time and do this thing. And they are doing... Okay. God, I don't even know where to go with this. <clears throat> okay. I know. Are, are I, you, I, I'm sitting... Are I'm you here working myself up? Yeah, I know. It's just it's so beautiful. By the way, the imagery is also reminiscent of Tron. Yes, yes. Uh, um, it is also reminiscent of some really cool sort of sci-fi minimalist video games. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also reminiscent of Stargate, which I mentioned before. Uh, the cooler parts of Stargate. Um, and looking at all of these different worlds and all of these dis- different possibilities. So, so the main thing is, despite the power of the Force, up until now, it's been pretty circumscribed. As powerful as, say, Anakin and Ahsoka are in the Clone Wars, for example, right? Anakin and Ahsoka in the Clone Wars are the most powerful Jedi we've ever seen, essentially, from a physical standpoint. But they're still mostly operating within the structures of time and space that we're used to. We've never seen this kind of disruption in time and space before. And it sets the stage beautifully at the beginning of this episode. Again, as I mentioned, hearing Yoda and the various Obi-Wans and Jin and Rey and everybody talking all at once and everything like that. It's great that Lucasfilm is letting them do all this shit, especially when you see Marvel, but then you see the Marvel TV shows and they don't get to use anything from the Marvel movies. And like, you know, it's, it's great that we see this. I'm excited to see where they go in the future, but the, the world beyond the worlds that they're walking through. How do you interpret this in terms of the Star Wars universe? If Ezra and Ahsoka can do this, then why can't Obi-Wan do this? Why can't Yoda do this? Why can't Darth Vader do this? Now we see the Emperor uh, beautifully, um, you know, obviously darkly beautifully, but beautifully we see the Emperor peek his mind into this world. But even he doesn't have dominion over it. How do you interpret this world of worlds, as as I call it? And I'll explain why I called that in a second, um, in, in this episode and, and going forward. You were talking about virgences in the forest and how they warp the space and time around mm-hmm. them. And I think the Lothar Temple is one of those areas where you can cross over because it is so strong in the force that you can't get in other places. If you watch the most, if you watch the most recent Rebel Recon, David Filoni talked about how when Ezra was talking to Yoda and how he got his crystal, he was actually in that area, but he wasn't able to be in it like he was in season four Mm. so it's like a it's kind of difficult to say that that it's kind of like a place where you can go dive into the force but you cannot enter on your own will unless you have this version or this gateway if you will and i don't think it is something that you can just go into no matter how strong you are in the force without these access points and i think that's why he was able to see ahsoka and see kanan because those were strong moments in the forest he didn't just see ahsoka he hugged and hung out with ahsoka i mean they were there together i think 
Right, but because that moment was so strong in the yeah. force yep. that he could reach out and grab her. Like, mm-hmm. hypothetically, he could reach in and grab Obi-Wan when Obi-Wan was facing Darth Vader on the Death Star. I'm sure, I'm sure that was a strong moment in the force. I'm sure he could have rescued Anakin when Anakin was fighting Obi-Wan. I don't know why he would do that, but you get my point. It's these moments in time and space that are strong in the force. So... I, I think that that is good to have in this story. Otherwise, what is to keep anybody from entering the Force at any time, you know? Okay. You ready to go in some deep lore here? This is the lore cast. Go for it. So, 36 minutes or so into the first official lore cast, we're going to dive into it. So, one of the coolest and most important and most interesting elements of the best science fiction as well as the best fantasy of the last 50 or 60 years is the idea of ancients with a capital A. Is the idea that there was a species or a race or a civilization that lived thousands or millions or billions of years ago that were extremely advanced, way beyond any advancement that we see in the science fiction property, for example, that did certain things, that left certain artifacts, that left certain portals, wormholes, in the case of Interstellar, um, you know, gates to different parts of the galaxy, different parts of the universe, and so forth. They've really resisted this in Star Wars, and again, I can't... Excuse me, I can't comment on Legends, but they haven't really discussed it until now in the new Star Wars canon. I think it is clear from this episode that, like in the Legends uh, of, of Star Wars, that there were ancient ancients millions of years ago who were extremely advanced, who may have seeded some of these vergences, who may have seeded some of these, for lack of a better term, stargates, and so forth, between galaxies. Because there's no Jedi Force that we are aware of, that we know about, that could possibly accomplish what happens in this episode with Ezra and Sabine. And so, by far, in my opinion, the coolest interpretation of all of this is that it is an ancient force even more ancient than they think. And this applies to the Mortis, you know, trilogy, uh, not trilogy, um, triumvirate or whatever you want to call it as well with the father, daughter, and son, right? Uh, do, do you, let me put it this way. Do you think this is at all implied by this episode that there is an ancient force working here? And if so, do you like it and want to see it explored more? Because I do, if it's the case. I think... It has already been established. I think okay. the I think the father, daughter, and son, or yeah, not the brother and sister. Yeah, the father, son, and daughter established established back that established that back in the Clone Wars that they were these ancient embodiments of the Force that the fandom didn't really embrace because it was these weird thrill of episodes and now that David Filoni is being allowed to expand upon that idea it makes complete sense that they were being from a time long gone and I actually think that Bendu is one of these figures I don't know if he's the same on the same plane as the father son and daughter but I think he's directly below them if not one step more below them but I think he's one of these beings 
And I think that is what David Filoni was trying to establish back in the Clone Wars and has been growing with Rebels is that there is more to the Force than what we see in the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy that you almost have this Lord of the Rings mystical elves and other, like you said, mythology tropes, if you want to call them tropes, um, storytelling tools. I think it makes absolute sense. That oh, yeah. Filoni would call them tropes, too, and he loves Lord of the Rings and stuff, so uh, he would not deny any of that. And and he's a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings, like you just got done saying, so it, does, so it makes complete sense that, yes, this is exactly where they're going, and I think that the father, son, and the daughter are these tropes, if not one step below them. And the Bendu on the same playing field or one or two steps below them. I think it's very interesting that a lot of so-called nerds or fake nerds put up such a big stink about The Last Jedi. You know, hashtag this is not my Star Wars or whatever the fuck they were saying. Bullshit. Well, the thing about it is, is The Last Jedi is child's play compared to this mythology. And when it comes what to I was Wars. about to say was Star Wars Rebels, although supposedly a kid's show, is actually extremely deep. Um, and I, I, I cannot yeah. wait until whatever the next Dave Filoni project is. And by the way, Dave Filoni, do you know where he came from before Clone Wars and Rebels? Yeah, Avatar. Yeah, Avatar The Last Airbender, which people from your generation, including Brittany, think is like one of the greatest shows of all time and Can extremely it- beautiful and deep stuff. And so that's awesome. So, I, I'm sorry, but, but can I rant for a little bit? I, I, I have to say that people complain... Do you know what, Bizzle, uh, do you know what podcast you're on? Of course okay. you could rant for a little... You could rant for a lot of bit. Go for it. Okay, so people hated and disliked the first season of The Clone Wars. They hated and critique Rebels. And look at the last few seasons of The Clone Wars. Look at these, this last season of Rebels. This is David Filoni. He spends the first season building up these characters, building up this world and these stories, and he builds, and he builds, and he builds, and to a point of, I'm going to use this word again, orgasmic storytelling that you're like, oh my god, this is so good. I I can't believe what I am watching. I'm just going to stop you really quick. I'm just going to stop you really quick. People who hate the first season of Rebels don't get rebels because rebels has been pretty great from beginning to end now clone wars i can understand that there was some people who didn't like ahsoka tano from the beginning but as we've talked about most people have come around and love or at least like and appreciate ahsoka tano and the small population who doesn't i just feel sorry for and they're missing out on you know one of the most important characters in star wars ever but i don't think rebels took such a long time to rev up as some people do sorry to interrupt you so I have to ask you a question. Do you think that Ahsoka would be as loved as she is if she didn't have that beginning? If we didn't see where she came from, from a character point Yeah, because of view. you can watch Ahsoka starting season two of Clone Wars and it's fine. Because 
as I've commented, Ahsoka's physical Jedi powers are manifested immediately in the Clone Wars. And so her story is more one of like ethical and moral and intellectual learning rather than physical learning. So if you start at the end of season one, early season two, when I believe it's the extended story of what's that bounty hunter's name? Fuck, you would know from Star Wars Destiny. Uh, Cat Bane? Cat Bane. Yeah, the Cat Bane storyline. From from the Cad Bane storyline forward, Ahsoka is easily the most interesting and fun character in the Clone Wars, in my opinion. I thought it wasn't until halfway through season three is where her okay. training point actually was. Okay, that's fair. I mean, where, the Snips thing never bothered me, but I know men who make fun of the Snips thing. So you know, what am no, I going to do? It didn't bother me either, but but the point I'm trying to say is is you gotta stick with the story and see where it's going. And people are doing the same exact thing with the Force Awakens. Well, Dave Filoni was look, look, Dave Filoni was playing with fire, thinking people would stick through a season and a half of Ahsoka before liking her. But he had George Lucas's blessing on it, and this was before Disney came into the picture. And right. now Ashley Eckstein is the CEO of literally the coolest like nerd outfitting organization on the planet and they knew what they had in terms of talent but this happens in sports right we t- we won't talk about wrestling now but this happens in wrestling but it happens in real sports happens in television happens in movies you have the next big thing and you say this next big thing man woman or other is so great we can afford to fuck around with the audience for a bit and then they'll fall in love with it they were very lucky that people were patient enough to fall in love with the sokotano that was not guaranteed no, but bringing things back around full circle is is that this form of storytelling, what we're getting on TV, is so deep, so rich, so emotional that it blows my mind that people write it off or discount it or don't even give it a second thought. I mean, I understand if you don't have the time and we can't dive into everything in a franchise that we love, but it's like, my goodness... Look at what you're missing. Well, this is how I felt about the Matrix movies. And I still find few allies on this subject. Because the final Matrix movie was over the top and kind of disappointing. But the Matrix Reloaded, the middle movie, was so interesting about the lack of definitive difference between man and machine. You know, you have men and women who think and act like machines and you have machines with emotions who care and love and stuff like that. Um, and you know, people don't necessarily realize that thing. And I'm going to be honest, JJJ, I think there's some people who are going to hate this turn in star Wars, or at least not understand it. And you know what? Can I just say it? Go for it. Fuck them. Fuck them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to make you feel uncomfortable. If you can't have an open mind to appreciate what they're trying to do with Star Wars right now and the movies and the cartoons, fuck you. Go watch A New Hope over and over again. You're welcome. Enjoy. But you know what? Star Wars for the rest of us is all the movies and all the cartoons and all the properties. 
I have to say that what I have seen so far in the fandom is a lot of positivity. Oh, can um, you talk about that? Because I haven't really been following the response to what's going on recently. So I have to be honest and say that I have withdrawn myself a little bit because fandom is so toxic. So the main Facebook group that I go to is an all-women's Facebook group, and I talk on Discord with a few people. Can you mention what it's called? Sure. The the all-female Star Wars Facebook group is called Galactic Empire. Mm -hmm. It's run by a really wonderful woman, uh, Jonah Wallace, who also has a podcast plug called the Star Wars Channel Hour. Um, But anyways, uh, talking to people and in my circle and online, it's been all positive. But I can imagine some people, and I don't want to classify them as being a little bit rigid when it comes to it but i have i had to pull myself away all white men who want their stuff certain ways you can feel free to classify them i had to pull myself away but uh, in my circle and what i have seen i've seen nothing but positivity but see i had to take steps to make sure that i'm putting building up my environment to best support not necessarily my ideas but take out most of the negativ- negativity and over-criticism and yeah. cynicism. See, what I'm dealing people. with is men who I like hearing their opinion on some things, but they might even defend the prequels. But, you know, they blame the thing they don't like the prequels on, they blame it on Natalie Portman. That's the sort of shit I'm talking about. Which is ridiculous, because she's really talented, and Padme in episode one, and to extent two, uh, is pretty good, really good character telling. Nasty white men are the reason we're not getting Nellie Portman at Star Wars Celebration. Honestly, I think Nellie Portman would 100% embrace the Star Wars fandom again if people gave her half the response that Hayden Christensen got, who's a far inferior actor. And I have no nothing against Hayden Christensen and, and, and don't think it's at all his fault. And I think he did a fine job as Anakin. And- but Natalie Portman is an Academy Award-winning, spectacular actress. And to blame her for the things you don't like about the prequels, fuck you. Sorry, that's, that's where my anger is coming from. It's just and- fuck you. And to and to build upon that, look at the actor who played young Anakin in episode one. His life is a mess. Why? Because of toxic fandom. I mean, obviously, there's a point of he made these decisions. You know, he, he's a being. He's an adult. He made these decisions. But the way he was treated mm. by the fans and ridiculed, you know, he was a kid. Maybe he didn't have the best direction. Maybe he wasn't the best actor. George Lucas might have not directed yeah, him. all of that's true, did, but it doesn't justify the response. Yeah. Exactly, you yeah. know. But, but anyways, <laughs> but anyways. Um, and by the way, when both Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi came out, many fans and critics hated those movies. Hated them. Yeah, yeah. So history treats things differently. I'm not saying I will ever like the prequels as much as the original movies or the new movies. That's probably not going to happen. But as you know, I have a brand new perspective on this over the last couple of years and appreciate it much more than I did. And, you know, my favorite new Star Wars movie, as you know, is Rogue One, which would not have been even a tiny bit possible without the prequels. 
Like, not even a little bit possible. And so, you know, you can't... you. you <laughs> You, you can't just pick people to blame, especially actors and actresses. And by the way, back to switch, uh, switch back to positive territory here for a little bit. Have you ever heard Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka sound less like Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka in the sense of, I, I, I tried to identify her voice in this performance that just came out, but it was just Ahsoka. That was it. I have to say that I have to be 100% honest in that moment. And I've only seen the episode once. I was so into the story that I wasn't being, I wasn't focusing on the voice. I was so. Okay. Well, let me give it to you as someone who's seen it twice. And recently it doesn't change. You're still going to be focused on the voice and the character and not Ashley Eckstein. And, and I have to say as amazing as Ahsoka is and she is amazing and she was so featured in that episode the Emperor was such a menacing presence and threatening presence like you're you're like oh my god this is the Emperor you know you know what he is you know who he is you know what he can do and you know that if he could get in there it would it would how do i say that it would it would be finding the death star laser if you will he he would that that's that's what he wants and you literally you fear for these characters because you know that if they had to confront the emperor they could not stand against him It, it was it was so awesome because you're going through these emotions of wonderment and then tension and amazing and wonderful and celebration and then you you see the emperor portal opens with his Sith magic and then you're like oh my god you, you, you fear for these characters because you know how strong the Emperor is and I have to say that I have not gotten this worked up over something for a while but it, it was because well, you don't expect it in a TV show even as good as Rebels has been on Disney right you don't really expect it no, you don't, but like I said, as as good as Ahsoka was, I think the Emperor is right there with her because of his presence in this episode, and you didn't have to do much with him. The Emperor is weak, man. I'm telling you, with everything we keep learning about the Emperor over the years, he seems weaker and weaker to me. He He seems incredibly powerful from a physical standpoint, but his mind... Like, I thought he was going to have a more dominating, domineering presence in this episode, but Ahsoka and Ezra, like, stepped all over him, I thought, from a metaphysical I, standpoint. I don't think that, I don't think they did, because they yeah, had no, to flee. That's what everyone they had, says. They, 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 they had to escape, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they couldn't fight. He couldn't stop him. He couldn't stop him. No, but she, they couldn't stop him either. They, they had to escape and destroy the doorway. They couldn't fight fire that he was sending into the world. Well, that's because Jyn is going to stop him, so there you go. <laughs> uh, yes! I got it. <laughs> bringing it all around. Bringing everything mm-hmm. to Jyn Mm-hmm. But you know what? Can we, can we tangentially talk, but still on the same subject, but a little tangential? Which is the more metaphysical, philosophical, spiritual, religious force stuff we get, I love it. But we need to keep getting Rogue One, Han Solo stuff as well. And I really hope Han Solo is not the final of the Star Wars story series because I need my non-force-using rebel scum 
movies, um, if that I makes to, sense, to balance have, out all of this craziness. I have to say that the Han Solo movie is going to be so much fun because so fun. it is so different. Okay, than we need what to we do. We watching. need to do an immediate review. Are you going to see it opening night? Or you? Oh, I, I yeah. am. Yeah. Okay. You said they moved Avengers back, by the way, or forward? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That's because Deadpool is coming out, but also because of Han Solo. They want to yeah. give enough room with Han Solo, with the Avengers. So we right. need to do, like, an opening night review. Like, I'll probably be back around, like, 10 p.m. my time, most likely. I don't know if that's too late on a Thursday night. Um but I feel like I would love to do because you and I are in the same wavelength in that people are not giving this movie a chance before they knew anything about this movie. Here's the thing about it is, is this is the movie that fan fanboys, to use that term, want. And part of me is like, are they going to be able to sit back and enjoy it? Or are they so filled with cynicism and expectation that they aren't going to be really able to enjoy this film whether or not it's a quote-unquote critically good movie or not just enjoying the movie and getting something what you want it's Han freaking solo in the dark times with mercenaries and scum and it's like why wouldn't you like it okay i'm gonna address this on three points real quick and i want you to feel free to interrupt me okay at any of these three points okay the first point, cynical about Star Wars. You are an idiot. If you are cynical about Star Wars after the last three to four years with movies, television, games, everything, I mean, you're an idiot. <laughs> I mean, episode seven, episode eight, and Rogue One, if you had, if you had told all of us what they were going to be about, how they were going to be executed, and how they were going to be received. Five years ago, these three movies, right, Jedi Geek Girl? We would have been like, hell fucking yeah. Give it to us, right? I mean, forget the flaws. Episode 7, Rogue One, Episode 8, we would have been like, hell yeah. So, if you're cynical at this point, I don't know what you're expecting. Okay? Number two... If you don't like the portrayal of Han Solo in this movie, I can totally get down with that. Um, Again, please don't go after the actor if you don't like it, because he's a great young actor. But if you don't like the portrayal, you don't feel like Han Solo, I get it. That's fine. Three, if you say it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie, there is no way a Han Solo movie directed by Ron Howard is not going to feel like a Star Wars movie. I mean, what I love about Rogue One is even though there's a lot of people who do not love it as much as me, I've never met anyone who has said the following. Rogue One does not feel like a Star Wars movie. Everyone agrees Rogue One feels like a Star Wars movie. And if if, if you think that's a negative, that's fine. Or it's not exactly what you wanted, that's fine. But it feels like a Star Wars movie. So I will throw it to you on this third point, or you can talk about anything I said before. Uh, which is very aggressive, I apologize, Um, which is, I think Han Solo is definitely going to feel like a Star Wars movie. I have to say that we are calling out a lot of people. We are calling out a lot of people. No, I am calling out a lot of people. I want this to be clear. Jedi Geek Girl is not calling out anyone. She loves everybody. 
she wants everyone to be friends and that's great i am calling out all the hateful nerds out there who either are fake star wars fans or claim to be hardcore star wars fans and have unrealistic expectations for what they think is going to happen with the star wars series but anyways i want to say that i listen to a lot of podcasts and the han solo movie and teaser trailer has been a hot hot topic subject so i have listened to the teaser a lot what are the women saying because you listen to i connect you with the podme podcast they don't release a lot of podcasts they're great they're like the opposite of me podme is like oh we love this we love that i'm like fuck you assholes um (laughs) and and not only that but i'm i'm like becoming more and more of a railroad shipper as i listen to these podcasts so so, yeah, my it, men, my male real. podcasters do not understand this. They don't get why women would be the one to ship and not, and men hate the idea of it. It's fascinating. I love talking about it. it it's like all the signs are there. But, but, but before we get too sidetracked, I was going to say that listening to these podcasts yeah. and listening to the teaser over and over again, and I didn't write, and I'm butchering that name, does sound more like Han Solo than you think. If you oh, and he's got it, the roguish, sexy smile, which is the important thing. And and he also got a bit of the tone, too. Like, obviously, the tone is a little bit younger, like you would expect. But when I hear it, I'm like, okay, that sounds like Harrison Ford. That sounds okay. like Han Solo. All right. So what does Han Solo need in a movie? He needs a feisty, strong female counterpart, right? We had Princess Leia in the original. Now we have Amelia Clark. For all you nerds out there, I don't care if you think it's a good movie or not. Go watch Terminator Genesis and watch Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor. And she is such a hilarious, feisty badass as Sarah Connor in that movie. She is going to be a great, great foil to Han Solo's, you know, overly self-confident, you know, thinking he's a ladies' man type thing in the new movie. I think is going to be awesome. And I have to say that Han Solo is going to be such a fun experience especially to help counteract this deep philosophical religious if you will stuff that we are getting in rebels and david filoni is the great guy to explore that and i hope that he officially becomes a part of the story team obviously he has a hand but he's he's in the story team trust me Mm. What I have seen, I have not seen him officially as No, he is. I'm telling you. Mm. I can't give you my exact source, but I know someone who's close enough to the situation to guarantee you he is in those meetings. He was in the Last Jedi meetings. So why do they not come out and say he's officially a part of the team? I don't think he wants to. Okay, but so he's unofficially, so he's on the team, just not quote-unquote officially. Yeah, exactly, because Pablo Hidalgo has a specific role. Like, all those guys have very specific roles. Yeah, Filoni is a brainiac. Look, when Disney bought Lucasfilm, they didn't just buy Star Wars. They bought Pablo Hidalgo. They bought Dave Filoni. They bought The Clone Wars. They bought Minds. 
Kath- Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, Lucas insisted that Kathleen Kennedy be the one to take over, and Disney put up zero fight about it, because they knew that was the right pick. I have to say that, to bring things back around, is I love that Ahsoka's story, this helps fill in the gaps, but it still leaves the door wide open to what her story will be. We know that she lives. And she, when we know that she has this conversation with Ezra and this confrontation with the Emperor, but there is still this huge time gap afterwards. She's Neo. She is Neo. She's a smarter Neo. She she is outside the Matrix construct. I mean, Ahsoka is everywhere now. She, she can literally go anywhere. I mean, we saw her dive through some gate to God knows where, right? But she. She 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 went back to the Sith, Sith temple on Mandalore, not Mandalore, but the the Sith, Sith temple, and she goes down underwater, not underwater, but she goes into the temple. Uh, David Filoni actually created a series of cards depicting this, and and I'll send them to you if you haven't seen. Well, them no, this yet, was but. after the initial Vader battle. Right. Yeah. She 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 she. But I'm talking about at now. That moment. The new yeah. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. She 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 went back to that moment in time because yeah. if you remember at the end yeah so no but why she, did she go back why did she go back why did she go back because she knew to interrupt the time flow would be disastrous without reason seriously that's how brilliant ahsoka is ahsoka completely understands what's going on to sell that she could come out of her time loop into the time beyond time essentially and then back into her time loop and understand everything that's going on is unbelievable well and see she has to go back to her story too because her story is not ezra's story she still has to deal with this i think she's at peace now with vader and anakin her lesson to ezra was letting her master go and letting him letting his master go and she now has to go through this journey on her own in the next but step she knows of her now. story. But now she knows, yeah. And I, I think that this But this is the thing. No, but this I, is I, the problem. This is the Heisenberg uh, paradox, you know, which is even if she goes right back into her timeline, now the observer has knowledge that they didn't have before. So how does that affect everything that's going on? She can't possibly go back to the way things are because of the new knowledge that she has. That's true. And that, that's why you don't see her in, in the, what we've seen so far in Rebels. Have you because seen the movie uh, Looper? I have. It's oh. been a while, but yeah, I have. Okay. Spoiler alert for Looper. So it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who went through extensive um, cosmetic treatments to look like Bruce Willis in that movie. God bless him. His older, who's his older self in the future. Right. And what, what happened in the end in Looper? Do you remember? I, I, I do not. I, I'm done. No, I do not. I don't remember. He realizes that himself in the future becomes a monster and destroys this kid's mother, which makes him into even a greater monster. So he takes the shotgun and shoots himself in the chest. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. I remember. Exactly an example of the observed becoming the observer and learning information. Now, Ahsoka would never have to deal with that exact situation, but the point is, she knows the score. 
and we, she can beat Vader. Like she's just holding back. So Ahsoka is the overpowered character that we need and that I want, and I still want to see Ahsoka in the movies or in television shows or whatever. I don't think this does anything to dissuade me of the notion that we're going to see Ahsoka in different forms going forward. If anything, they're feeding the fire, and immediately upon this airing, Ashley Eckstein's company, her universe, you know, had a whole bunch of Ahsoka gear with, like, hashtag Ahsoka lives going on, like... This is alive and well. And would you agree with me that that is a good thing? It is. Yeah, it is a very good thing. It it makes you wonder that we got answers with Ahsoka, but now we have more questions. Because she has this information. She knows about this. And she literally has beaten Vader. So now what? Like, Okay, how- so can we go back to the metaphysical stuff? Uh in sort of the final main section, then we'll head to the end. But the final main section, let's go back to she steps through the portal, fighting Darth Vader, steps through the portal, sees Ezra. They got a Tron kind of thing going on, you know, black and white, semi-3D, semi-2D. They're walking around. Here's my question. Where are they? The world. Between worlds? Which is where? On a world between worlds? (laughs) Did you read a lot of uh, fantasy growing up? No, no. But you're into Harry Potter? No. No, no, no. I'm a little too old for Harry Potter. Um, Like a, a little. Okay, so... I love Tolkien. I love old school fantasy. But I read a... a, a, um, There there was a renaissance in fantasy writing. So when I was growing up, there was a renaissance in fantasy writing in the 80s because of Dungeons and Dragons and Lord of the Rings coming to a wider culture and so forth. So there was amazing, amazing fantasy books in and out of the Dungeons and Dragons world uh, in the 80s and 90s that I read growing up. But my favorite writer was named Raymond E. Feist. I've mentioned before, but not in any great extent. Uh, it was very based on sort of English and French medieval uh, culture and, you know, military history and blah, 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 blah. It was fantasy, but there were elves and there were dwarves and there were dark elves and there were demons and the whole thing and blah, blah, blah. But he had this great device, which is in the small town in the countryside, you would go to this bar and you go behind the bar and you take the hallway. And before you realize it, you're on an endless hallway and they call it the Hall Between Worlds. And it was basically a physical hallway that would take you to any major inhabited planet or uninhabited planet in the entire universe, but through a fantasy setting. So it was kind of quirky, and you know you have physical description of it and so forth. If this is happening in Star Wars, this is a major game changer, because Rey and Kylo, for example, among others, could manipulate this to great advantage, right? I mean, this could be a serious game changer. It can be, but I don't think it is something that is easily accessed. I I think with what we saw in Rebels, you know, one gateway was 
destroyed and that was one of we don't know how many gateway there were and this was more of a physical location that was strong in the forest compared to what we see in like seeing Kanan die and seeing Ahsoka fighting Vader which were which was more moments than they were placed with maybe the exception being mm. Ahsoka's fighting but I, I don't think this is something that it, it's a game changer don't get me wrong but I don't think it is something that is going to be easily accessible hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah, I do. I do. Um, Especially with the father, the daughter, and the son. Okay, let's talk about alive. this. No, this is, what we need to, we, this is what we need to talk about. I know neither you and I, you or I are huge experts on the Clone Wars, but I think you're a little bit more of an expert than me. I know about Mortis. I know about the father, the son, and the daughter. It's extremely similar to the father, son, the Holy Ghost in Christianity, especially because the Holy Ghost is generally associated with femininity. Um, and so this is more George Lucas going Christian, like in the prequels with the holy birth of Anakin, which I don't understand because he was like a Buddhist before this. So I'm not completely sure, but the mythology certainly paid off in these episodes. Um, I remember the Mortis episodes just being really weird, but trippy and fun. I know there was debate about whether they're good or not, but I, I remember them being super fun. Do you remember seeing those episodes in the Clone Wars that were referenced uh, in these Rebels episodes? I do. I've seen them a couple of times. And okay. with the, the father, the daughter, and the son, you have... The dark side of the force embodied in the sun. You had the light side of the force embodied into the daughter, and then you had the balance uh, between them, between with the father. And you had to have all three of these cornerstones. And I see the similarities to the Christian dogma and religion, except where with the three corners of the Christian, like I don't see the sun and the Holy Spirit at conflict, like the daughter and the son was. I, I think that's more of like a Buddhist, you know, like the yin and the yang with like a third thing on top of it to keep it in check. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see it. I, I, I see the similarity to the Christian, Christian dogma, like I said, but I, 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 I'm not... I, I think it was a criticism. I mean, to, to finish my thought, which is, you know, there's a reason Lucas hired Filoni. And it wasn't just because of his artistic skill, which was certainly something, but because of his association and understanding of Eastern philosophy, um, uh, which Lucas shares. Yeah, I think the, I think the father, son, and daughter is a criticism of Christianity, but I don't know if that would come across to most people. But I love the mystical way that they were like solving puzzles, you know, with them on the walls with the two D animations. And can we just talk about the aesthetics briefly, and we'll head towards the end here because. We have never, ever, ever in any Star Wars series seen the kind of gorgeous 2D uh, stop-motion animation that we saw um, in the most recent episode of Rebels, unless I'm missing something. No, no, that, that was absolutely breathtaking in mm. how they pulled that off. What did you think that was? Do you think it was just like, we're about to end the series, so we want to show off? Uh, do you think they were communicating something? Do you think it was just like, we've got extra budget, so we're going to do it? Like, why now? Well, obviously, it was a artistic direction. Mm -hmm. And I think them choosing to use 2D stop-motion animation 
add gravity to the situation because I think if we saw it as animation, we wouldn't have bought into it as much as we did if it, if it wasn't the 2D stop motion animation, if that makes any sense. Hmm. Okay. Well, I won't make you make any uh, predictions about Rebels finale because we will deal with that next week for sure. Um, so I hope I can lock you in at some point next week to talk about the finale. And oh, yeah. I definitely hope I can lock you in post Han Solo as soon as possible to talk about that movie because I think you and I are already primed to appreciate that it's a fun movie more than a lot of fans right now. And I want to be able to communicate that to people. Um, so that's one thing, but I will ask you for predictions on characters. So are you cool to end this way? I'll give you just some characters and give me your, your predictions for where they're headed. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Well, we know Hera and Chopper survive at least to Rogue One. And I think through Return of the Jedi, essentially. Yeah. So yeah. we Return won't go there. The okay. So. I think the character that has had the best solo episodes, although they've been few, but when he has them are the best, is Zeb. I love the Zeb solo episodes. I love the one where he uh, finds the new solar system for his people. I love the one... I mean, I still think the best Rebel episodes, uh, Rebels episode easily is when Zeb and Callus get stuck on the planet together and they're just talking the whole time. That is my favorite Rebels episode. No question. Um, Where do you think Zeb ends up at the end of all this? Well, here's the thing is... I predicted that he would go back to his people, but I don't see him doing it after this epic conclusion. I mean, obviously, the story is focused on Lothal, Mm -hmm. but you don't see people walking away from the fight after losing one of their own. You'd think that would make him a lot more passionate to the fight. So I wonder if he takes the war to a new front with his people because remember it's a galactic civil war it's a lot bigger than what we see in the original trilogy i I can see him going back with his people Mm, i would love that um okay tia sarkar who voices sabine ren is a major like regular supporting like major supporting character on one of the highest reviewed television shows on television called the good place um and is great in it is very hilarious very funny and cute very different than sabine i love sabine with her natural brown hair color i love sabine more low-key i think all of the voice actors and actresses are like almost effortless at this point in terms of how they voice their characters. Even Ezra doesn't sound cartoonish to me at all at this point. Sabine in particular, I love Sabine as being natural, you know, down to earth Sabine. Where do you see Sabine going? You know, I'm starting to catch a pattern here. I see her going back to Mandalore with her people. And the more that I think about it, the more I think about how this whole battle with Lothal and how it will go down will not be the inspiration that keeps them fighting the battle, but will inspire them to take the wars to their own personal front. Instead of having one general through here leading her crew, you'll have this 
crew of people split off and become like generals of their own army team because they are evolving. They're learning these leadership lessons. So I can see her go back to Mandalore and I think that will be her story and I think that fits a lot more than Zeb. The only one that doesn't quite fit that is Ezra. And that's my final question. Where does Ezra go from here? I have no idea. <laughs> I, neither. I, I, it's like, does, okay, does he sacrifice himself? I mean, that would be kind of a really dark. That would be like, for, like I know that Rebels has gotten dark with like Kanan dying, but he, the, Rebels is Ezra's story. You know what I'm saying? It's not like this is Rogue One. So I, I, I do not know. It's like, okay, if, if he splits off and he does his own thing, what does that look like? What if, I just thought of this, what if he decides to live in, I missed the term earlier, by the way, I was talking about my f- favorite fantasy author, Raymond E. Feist, the Hall of Worlds. What if he decides to live in the Hall of Worlds, does Ezra? I wonder, and this goes back to what my original idea was about what's going to happen to him, is that he would take the place of maybe the father in the Mortis thing. But was, here's the thing that's brilliant about Mortis, is that they leave it totally open that the entire thing's bullshit. That the entire thing is just, they have magic and a myth going on their planet, but it's kind of bullshit. And they even have to save Ahsoka. I mean, Ahsoka's dead. I mean, by, by, by our modern sort of zombie fantasy definition, Ahsoka is undead. Like, she's been restored to life from death, right? Yeah. So, but, but that could the, just be necromancy. That doesn't have to be godlike powers. It could be, you know. Well, see, I don't, when it comes to the Mortis trilogy, I don't see that as events actually kind of happening i kind of see it like the matrix where like yeah sure the actions did happen and ahsoka did die but i don't think she actually in this world died i mean sure if she died in there she probably died in real life but it wasn't the same as if she died died in real life gandalf she is gandalf and dave filoni has specifically referred in interviews numerous times to ahsoka as gandalf She's Gandalf. She is the spirit of the agents reborn whenever the world needs her. She dies constantly, but she never really dies. She gets more powerful and more wise. She is Gandalf to me. It seems to me. So then what does that mean for, again, coming back to this question, what does that mean for the future of Star Wars? Especially when you take into consideration the events of the original trilogy that we all know and love. It means they better listen to my idea about Obi-Wan and make it a spiritual journey and not like a big battle movie. They should make the Obi-Wan movie a spiritual journey that he takes. I don't care what he does, but it should be a spiritual journey between the old Obi-Wan and the new Obi-Wan. That is for one thing. But the other thing is, yeah, they have to keep creating other media to explore this. And 
you know, I mean, my final negative thought, I don't want to end on a negative thought, my final negative thought in all this is that I don't think the books have been doing a very good job talking about any of this. And maybe they've been hiding it, and maybe Filoni is secretive even among the Lucasfilm people about this stuff, and so maybe they weren't even expecting it. But the books have not been doing a good job of exploring this more metaphysical, philosophical territory. God knows, I would read these books cover to cover, new numerous times if they did but talking about phasma being a psychotic youth for 300 pages is completely worthless worthless and uninteresting to me especially when i see something like the most recent rebel rebels episodes might just be me i have to say that the books have been playing it conservative but I would expect that once the vision of the current Star Wars universe gets established by Lucasfilm and all these elements of the story are built and these pillars are established, that you'll see the story be explored. But they're just trying to, like I keep telling people, they're just trying to give freedom to yeah. To people to sell toys, but uh, stories, but unfortunately, it's at the expense of some authors. But I, I'm not as critical because I, I've been enjoying the stories, you know. I guess. I mean, Lost Stars is great. Um, Bloodline is the best, in my opinion. Um, you know, I love Rebel Rising because I love Jyn Erso. I think Beth Revis is a good author. But these side characters, you know, even the Tarkin book, even though they got the Thrawn guy to write the Thrawn book, I didn't read that much of it, but it's just not that interesting science fiction. And I read a lot of heady science fiction. So they can make it way headier and way, way, way more interesting with the Star Wars stuff. The comic books do it better, by the way. I think the comic books are doing a good job. I think the books are letting them down. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Um, I, I can agree with that, but yeah, it, it's science fantasy, so. Yeah, but, but, but you need to step it up, you know? It's like, it's like they finally let, um, what's his name with Aftermath, let loose in the third book, and it was great. You know, the third Aftermath book was was fantastic and dealt with a lot of these issues. Again, I'm willing to bet, you know, there's a 50-50 shot that they weren't expecting Filoni to drop this kind of metaphysical bomb on them. So, I, and I give credit to Kathleen Kennedy and all of the Disney and Lucasfilm people for letting someone like Dave Filoni drop a metaphysical bomb on them like this. That is awesome. And for but, them to have to deal with it now is great. And they're not going to deal with it in the Han Solo movie, but in the main trilogies going forward, they got the Game of Thrones people. They need to deal with these issues. But anyways, coming back to your question, I think Ezra's fate is tied to the Force. What that looks like, yeah. I do not know. But I I'm think sure it's, it's just, tied to the Force. It's just at the point where... I love and care about and I'm interested in Ahsoka so much beyond the other characters. I don't even care what Ezra's fate is. It's not that I don't care about him, but, you know, as a philosophical Star Wars fan, Ahsoka is what I'm really interested in. Um, And I think that's what a lot of people are interested in, honestly. You know, Um, 
it's like the way that like Gandalf. Uh, I'm sorry, Aragorn is positioned as the main character in Lord of the Rings, but Gandalf is really the main character. That's sort of how I feel about this. Really? Um, I, I, I thought Frodo was the main character. No, no, no. Sorry. Among the non-Hobbits. Yes. Obviously, oh, okay. the Hobbits are... Yes. Yeah. And that's what makes Tolkien special, is that the, he... Tolkien specifically said he identified with the Hobbits and wanted to be a Hobbit, essentially. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. I'm talking about, like, the world of men, as they say, you know, quote-unquote. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. But... I, I- I have to say that going back to the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, you know, the Lord of the Rings was about the hobbits, you know, and their story. And what was the original yeah. trilogy about? Especially A New Hope. It was it was two droids. Yeah. The leaf is still at least is still life forms witnessing the awesome and inspiring events happen to them and around them. But well, anyways Yeah, I but, mean yeah, I mean we'll close it up. I'm just gonna say I'm thrilled they're exploring this territory, but I don't know if it's sustainable and if I needed it in Star Wars, you know, because again, Rogue One is still my favorite new Star Wars property and it is ground level and not that concerned with the force and mysticism and stuff. By the way, really quickly, I just want to mention you know, liberals and progressives, of which I consider myself a part, generally hate on religion. You know, religion is seen as a conservative, backwards, middle America, or like third world force, you know, get people to do certain things, blah, blah, blah. And religion has certainly done evil things. But as a scholar of religion, religion has also done some great things. And I love the ex- exploration of spirituality and religion in George Lucas's uh, properties with Star Wars. And I think they're doing a really constructive version of that. And and what's been going on in Rebels and so forth. And so I'm actually giving a thumbs up to that particular side. I don't know if you've noticed that or that's something you've been thinking about. Oh, yeah. That, that, that is something that I've been noticing with Star Wars that I think now that the storytellers have been able to sit and grow the mythology, especially when it comes to the Jedi as a religion, and that's becoming more and more evident that it is something to appreciate in this franchise and it is something to watch as the mythos and the fantasy element of Star Wars deepens with that religious definition, if you will. Which is why I think Filoni is going to get to direct a movie at some point. I think this is going to happen. Because um, <clears throat> I think people are on board with that, with that particular vision. And honestly, and- yeah, no, go ahead. And see, is this really surprising? I mean, David Filoni is George Lucas's heir, if you will. Oh, yeah. He chose him for himself. Exactly. So it's not really surprising that who's the one that is breaking all these grounds in Star Wars. It's not J.J. Abrams. It's not Ryan Johnson. It's David freaking Filoni. Yeah. Although, I would argue that Ryan Johnson is very in line with the aesthetic and ideas of Filoni. I thought there was tons of Lord of the Rings type stuff going on in Last Jedi. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying that when it comes to 
the most truest form, like the, the purest form of Star Wars toy storytelling that you could get for better for worse is from George Lucas, and George Lucas is not a part of the Star Wars franchise anymore. Yeah. So who does that fall through? That falls to David Filoni because, you know, he studied underneath him. He had yeah. long conversations with George Lucas about these things. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you go to the movies, the movie that Lucas has clearly identified himself with the most is Rogue One, because it does feel like a direct prequel to A New Hope. Um, And so Lucas was very effusive about his praise of Rogue One, although he did like Last Jedi, I believe, quite a bit. But it's beyond Lucas, you know, it's there's so many people working on these properties at this point. Um, Okay, I'm excited about Han Solo. So I'll let you go with one question, unless you have anything else you wanted to add, welcome to i was going to say that george lucas is going to love han solo because i think so it has that he's friends with ron howard sorry exactly and it has it has that american graffiti element to it totally and george lucas i think is into racing himself and so yeah george lucas is going to love han solo and Amelia Clark is one of the most underrated young actresses out there, and Donald Glover is one of the most acknowledged, brilliant minds of everything out there. So, oh my God, Lando! I oh know you're going to be so in love with Donald Glover by the end of that movie. Oh, you already are. I, yeah, I already am. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the Lando commentary. It'll be great. We'll be doing like a commentary together, and you'll be like, "But Lando, I mean, <laughs> Lando." But do we talk about Lando? Oh, Lando. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah pretty much who by the way is one of the best comics i haven't read all the comics but the lando comic that came out a few years ago uh, in the new canon was awesome it was really really good by the way uh Jay, we gotta play some battlefront together uh one we of do. these days so you gotta let me know so okay so final question other than lando what is the one thing you are looking forward to most or would like to see in the Han Solo movie? It could be big picture, it could be tiny, it could be anything. What I would like to see most, or what I am most looking forward to in the Han Solo movie, is all the strong women that surround Han Solo. It was revealed that Han Solo comes from a background full of strong women. So Leia is not the first strong woman that he had to deal with. So I'm looking forward to that element. I'm looking forward to Amelia Clark's character, and I'm looking forward to Val. So I'm looking to Tandy I'm looking Newton. forward. Yep. To, yep. I'm looking forward to that feminine attributes mm-hmm. and that female. Both huge stars on HBO, by movie. the way. Uh, yeah. Tandy Newton on. Oh fuck! What's the robot show called? Um, um, it's Water like Jurassic World. Park. Yeah, Wait, uh, which, Westworld, Westworld. Westworld. Yeah, and Amelia Clark, who you cannot judge people, Amelia Clark, based on Khaleesi on Game of Thrones. Khaleesi is awesome, uh, but she has great acting range. So those two are going to be great. Unfortunately, it seems inevitable that Amelia Clark will die, and that will be part of what informs his standoffish attitude towards Leia at first, I think. Um, but it'll be great while it lasts. But, I think he's going to nail it. I think people, uh, will, if they're open to it, will love his portrayal, but I don't know. So outside of that... The other thing that I'm looking forward to is I'm looking forward to seeing Kessel because yeah. are you familiar with Kessel? I mean the Kessel run in 12 parsecs, of course. Okay, so in the Legends universe, 
Kessel is a planet like on the edge of like a Nova. It's a slave mine. Yeah. Right, right, right. But by by the planet and the slave mine, it's by like a nebula or or a black hole type thing. And in legends, in the legend thing, you know, it's surrounded by the black hole, but you can go in there. It's like an area, but. Mm-hmm. It'd just be interesting seeing that on screen because yep. the Kessel Run isn't a distance. It's how close you can yeah. get close to the black hole without going in. It's a, ma- a matter of how many jumps you have to make, which anyone familiar with science fiction would know. But by the so, way, no, go ahead. So that is what I'm looking forward to. I'm I, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing what Kessel in the, you know, looks like yep. in space. Well, just to wrap it up, we started this on Rebels, so let's end on it, and then we'll close out, which is that, you know, science we're, fiction... Ha- we're yeah. doing Return of the King type endings. <laughs> we're only an hour and a half into the podcast. You do not know Return of the King type endings. I could easily <laughs> keep you here for three hours and 20 minutes, like my Batman v Superman podcast. I would be happy... To keep you here for three hours and 20 minutes. I am getting you out of here. You do not even know how lucky you are. <laughs> do I still have you? You dead? I think I killed no, her. No, oh, she's no, still there. Yeah, she's yeah, controlling herself. Okay. <clears throat> I was going to say, I like that Filoni, again, like Lord of the Rings, is showing his influences. You're seeing some Battlestar Galactica. You're seeing some Stargate. You're seeing some Matrix. You're seeing some Tron. You're seeing some Avatar of the Last Airbender. You're seeing all of this stuff I think is awesome. And I hope they keep embracing in the Star Wars universe. Because science fiction is better and is best when it draws unabashedly from the cooler parts and star trek as well which by the way the most this most recent rebels episode also has some cool time traveling star trek stuff things going on i think i would have to take your word to it because i don't watch star trek yeah we need to expand your horizons i know you're very devoted to star wars and you have limited time but we need to expand your horizons a tiny bit when it comes to science fiction well, I have a podcast that I take, you know, I do, and I have a website. Oh, I wouldn't know what that's like to have a podcast. You'll have to tell me sometime what it's like to have a serious podcast. <laughs> uh, by the way, by the way, my ratings have been up big time the last couple months, so thank you very much for being a part of that. It must be some combination of the last Jedi controversy and having great guests on, but people, even though I'm angrier than usual and cursing more than usual, seems to be doing okay, so thank you. Well, you do it. You do it, so we don't have to. Yeah, exactly. To to kind of carry, to kind of like steal a catchphrase from another internet celebrity. Mm-hmm. I so, remember it, so you don't have to. <laughs> so if you feel like hating, go fuck yourself. And if you feel like having real dialogue about things, come talk with us. We'll be happy to talk with you. But if you're just going to hate on people, go be a troll somewhere else. We don't want to deal with you. And you don't need to love everything. I still don't love the prequels, but I can talk about it in an intelligent way. You know? I mean, it, it, that's not, it's not about what you like and what you don't like, right? Should I get girl? It's about how you talk about it. Hey, I don't like Salacious B. Crumb. But you do like Jen Urso, which is the important thing. Okay, Jenna Girl, great to have you on the I Rebel podcast, tri- the tribute to Jen Urso that it is. God bless. Um, 
And uh, any events coming up that people should know about? Because I've been following everything online. Uh, well, just coming up for Star Wars Destiny up here in Minnesota. So I will be, I rebel will be at that. And it has been tight trying to get into the event, but we will be there. And I will be at Adepticon in Chicago, Illinois in March. So those are the two places that I'm going to be at when it comes to Star Wars Destiny. And of course, I'll be doing my podcast and you can contact me uh, via email anytime at iRebelDestiny at gmail.com. And Jedi Geek Girl is one of the coolest people out there. And I literally did a board gaming podcast a few hours ago with my buddy Maddie Goisman. And we talked about how sexist the board gaming world is, even compared to video games, like by far. Um, oh my God, don't even get me started. Yeah, so thank you for doing what you're doing. We all appreciate it. There's a lot of douchey fucking assholes out there in the tabletop gaming community. Um, you know, at least with when you're doing video game uh, coverage or, or, or twitching, you know, streaming, you know, you can block chat, you can moderate chat, you can keep certain people out, you know, you can kind of insulate yourself a little bit, but when you're board gaming, you're in public and you're dealing with like douchey guys face to face and dealing with mansplaining and man intimidation and so forth so i really appreciate what you're doing and i'm having a blast doing it so thank you yeah you're welcome it, it, it's so much fun doing it awesome all right people well stay tuned for the rebels finale which should be bonkers i don't know how it'll be more bonkers but it'll be bonkers stay tuned for the rebels finale definitely gonna have jedi geek girl back uh as well for han solo movie uh stay tuned for my uh board gaming podcast with maddie g as well um and yeah well thank you so much for being on Hey, I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much for doing this and giving me the opportunity to have a voice. And I think we can say together, Ahsoka lives. Ahsoka lives, people. Bizzlecast is out.